Hello, and welcome back to the IPHO podcast. I'm Alexi, and I'm currently the Global Patient Safety Fellow with UCB. Through my fellowship's affiliation with IPHO, I'll be hosting monthly episodes here on the IPHO podcast. I'll have guests on every episode that will help me provide you, the listeners, with the podcast that I wish I had as a resource when I was a pharmacy student. We'll tackle subjects like navigating mid-year, what you can do as a student to get relevant experiences on your CV, day-in-the-life episodes where you'll hear from fellows in various functional areas, and so much more. I really hope you find these episodes helpful. With that being said, enjoy the show. And now a message from a sponsor. This episode is brought to you by the Thomas J. Long School of Pharmacy's Fellowship in Industry Program, which aims to provide exceptional biopharmaceutical industry training for PharmD graduates with an interest in clinical research and innovation. The goal of the program is to prepare fellows for a career in the pharmaceutical industry by focusing on developing technical, leadership, and communication skills. The fellowship will also concentrate on cultivating the fellows' clinical skills while honing their expertise in their areas of interest. Check out more information about their fellowship opportunities in the link in the description. All right, welcome back, everyone. I'm Alexi. I am your host. I am a first-year patient safety fellow at UCB. And today I have my good friend Elizabeth Wilkes on the show. Elizabeth Wilkes graduated from Purdue University in Indiana with her PharmD in May of 2021. She is a current first-year postdoctoral fellow at Pfizer through the Rutgers Institute for Pharmaceutical Industry Fellowships Program. She works in North American Medical Affairs for Pfizer's Hospital Business Unit. Her product portfolio includes sterile injectables, surgical products, immunoglobulins, and anti-infectives. Since starting her fellowship, she has been working on a product in development and is excited for that to eventually launch, and she's also heavily involved in the IPHO's National Fellows Council and is a part of their social media and marketing committee. Liz, thanks so much for being on the show today. Happy to be here. Thanks. So on today's episode, we thought we'd talk a little bit more about the fellowship interview process. So for those of you that have been keeping up with these episodes, uh, a lot of my episodes are uh, related to the mid-year process, whether it's interviews or just how to plan for the process in general. Um, But this episode specifically is going to be on, you know, what are some tips for students going through the process who have never had industry experience? This is one of the most common questions that I get asked now as a fellow. Uh, students really want to know what they can do if they're in this situation and if it hurts them not having had any prior industry internships or appy rotations or anything like that. Um, and then from prior episodes, you may remember that I did have those types of experiences in pharmacy school. And most of my guests that I've had on up to this point also did have at least an internship or something like that. Um, so it's a question, again, I get asked all the time. And usually I feel like I give pretty generic advice. Uh, but that's why I'm so glad to have Liz on today to talk about her journey and then how she you know, successfully navigated fellowship interviews without that direct industry experience. So hopefully this interview with Liz can help answer a lot of those questions. And with that being said, let's just hop right into the first question. Uh, so Liz, let's start with your background. Can you tell the listeners you know, what sort of experiences did you have going into fellowship interviews? Yeah, definitely. So throughout pharmacy school, I worked at Walgreens Pharmacy just as a pharmacy intern. And I think that this gave me a really good background with being able to interact with patients, interact with doctors, interact with insurance companies. It definitely kept me on my feet and really taught me how to multitask, how to manage different things, um, you know, deal with conflict at work. Sometimes we would have patients that would be upset about an insurance issue or they just got back from the emergency room, like they're sick, they've had a long day. 
day. And so being able to kind of de-escalate things. So I had like a lot of good experiences and I did a lot of learning um, throughout working retail pharmacy. And then also during school, um, I worked at the beginning of the pandemic. So like March, April of last year is a COVID-19 hotline operator for the Indiana State Department of Health. So this was a really great experience about how to kind of translate this medical information that was just kind of coming out, um, you know, piece by piece into, you know, an easy to understand way for the callers of the general public um, that would be asking me questions about how to get a COVID test or, um, you know, questions about the COVID virus. Virus, what you know, temperature should they look out for if that's like a warning sign that they might be COVID positive? Um, so again, I think that taught me just kind of how to translate medical information. So that was another key step of like my learning process. Um, also throughout school, I did um, a teaching assistant job for a year for an undergraduate biology course. So again, kind of translating you know harder biology concepts into an easier to understand way. And then in terms of like extracurriculars of what I was involved with during school, um, throughout the entire time of pharmacy school, I was like a key leader of this committee called the Career Development Committee, which pretty much just like reamped, um, you know, our College of Pharmacy's career fair. So when I was a P1, we had like tons of companies coming to recruit uh, Purdue University students. But by the time I was a P3, I mean, most people were applying online. Companies didn't see the benefit to coming to campus anymore. So what my committee and I did is that we had to come up with like innovative ways we had to be creative. You know, how can we make this career, you know, pharmacy days, career fair um, event successful, even if we're only going to have a handful of companies come, where in the past it'd be like almost 20. So what we did is we invited different alumni to speak about their different fields of pharmacy. Like we hosted informational panels, we had like a CV review. And so I think that this experience, it was something that was very challenging for me, like throughout pharmacy school, um, you know, trying to come up with ways of just how to engage like, um, you know, different alumni and different students so that we could have, you know, basically just better professional development across the College of Pharmacy. And then I was also involved with IPHO. So I actually didn't get involved until my P3 year. But that year, I joined like the VIP competition, which if you guys um, you know, haven't heard of it, it's the value of industry pharmacy competition, which basically IPHO, you're competing against the other like chapters from different universities. They give you a mock drug and that's in development. And you kind of have to come up with like a pitch of how you would handle that from like product launch to other like different fields, um, like within the industry. So um, with that, it really just kind of gave me experience. I was on like the medical um, affairs committee for my chapter. And that's really how I got introduced to medical affairs, um, which is great because that's the position that I'm in right now. Um, so I learned like the terminology, like what's a KOL or a key opinion leader, which is basically just someone who's like top of their field, really knowledgeable about like a certain topic like oncology. Um, and so I really think like IPHO just for kind of giving me like that information about pharmaceutical industry. And then lastly, like in terms of rotations, before um, I started the interview process, I had a couple of really great rotations. One of them was at the Indiana Poison Center. So toxicology or, you know, just dealing with different poisons like that we, people would call in, um, you know, asking like, hey, how do I handle this situation? Or people that would even come to the hospital 
um, because the Poison Control Center was at like this hospital in um, the capital of Indiana, so Indianapolis. So they saw like the high acuity cases. Um, and so it was a really unique situation. It was something that like I had never thought about during pharmacy school. And so it really taught me of how to find things in the literature. I didn't realize how difficult it would be to find like specific toxicology, like pharmaceutical related things. But it really gave me, I guess, like an in-depth way of performing like literature searches and where to find resources. So that's just a little bit about my background. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all that. You know, a couple of things mm-hmm. that I'm thinking about as I'm listening to you explain all, all of this, all of these experiences that you've had. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for the listeners, this is super valuable because when I think back, I feel like a lot of us just inherently going through pharmacy school probably share a lot of these experiences. Yeah. Uh, so for example, you know, you said you were a Walgreens pharmacy intern through pharmacy school. Mm-hmm. We're all interns somewhere, right? So just yeah. every day on the job, you're dealing with conflict with workers or customers or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. Um, you know, TAing. I know I didn't personally TA, but I had a ton of friends who did. So that's another very common uh, teaching experience, leadership experience that you can talk about during interviews. Uh, the IPHO VIP case competition has really been taking off. And I feel like every year there's more and more chapters competing in that. And there's more and more students that bring that up during interviews. So that's another great one. Um, and then, you know, the flu shot clinic. I remember when I was on rotations, I did a COVID-19 vaccination clinic. I'm, I'm sure all, all the students <laughs> applying this year probably did yeah. the same thing. Um, yeah, so those are great experiences. And I think it kind of helps students to kind of think about the experiences that they that they have had and kind of hone in on, on those. Because when you're prepping for interviews, you're trying to come up with these stories. And a lot of these experiences that you go through, you know, we have so many experiences in pharmacy school that you probably forget about half of them. Um, so I think that's very, that's very valuable. Um, so out of all those experiences, can you kind of explain how you managed to utilize those experiences during your interviews so successfully? Yeah, of course. So I think, you know, kind of like what you were saying earlier is that, you know, I think one thing that's super helpful is like during rotations, if you write down your experiences, like I know that lives are busy, especially during pharmacy school and well on rotations. And so if you actually kind of just like write down the key things that you did at like each rotation, or, you know, while you're working on like maybe a project with like a committee, like here are the different things that I did, or really just like save documents. I know like throughout the interview process, like I would pull up old things that I had done for my career development committee um, or old things like I had prepared, you know, when I was TAing for my biology course. And it really just kind of like, you know, it was like a, you know, nostalgic thing. It put me back in my shoes of where I was at that time. And I was able to remember kind of more fully like, oh yeah, like I worked on this project. Um, You know, this project was, you know, had maybe some conflict or taught me about working on a team. So really kind of all of those stepwise things that I had done and as I developed throughout pharmacy school. A lot of the interview questions that I had um, throughout the fellowship application process, they were all star-based questions. So situation, task, um, what was the other one? So situation, task, action, and result. Um, Let me rephrase that. (laughs) I was like stumbling. Um, Yeah, so during the interview process, a lot of the questions that I had were star-focused or situation, task, action and result. So um, without, you know, when I was looking at my experiences, um, I worked a lot on different teams, like my career development committee, we all pitched these different ideas about how we can improve professional development and the career fair. And we all kind of had a compromise in different areas or, you know, look in and do extra research of, okay, well, is this actually, you know, something that we can implement? 
implement at our college of pharmacy or, you know, just other team experiences. Like when I had my flu shot clinic um, rotation, we were working with nursing students and then like Purdue faculty. There might have been like some conflict there of how I work with other teams, which is applicable to industry um, because I work a lot cross-functionally. And sometimes people see things a different way. So just because I was heavily involved in a lot of different things, um, even though I didn't have like any industry internship like experience to draw back upon, I was still able to utilize like these situations I had like, you know, in my life of working in these organizations or like my work experience or being on rotations. So really, I think the best advice that I can give is sit down and like, what experiences have you had and how can you like apply those to common interview questions? Yeah. Awesome. So I, a couple things you said there, I totally agree with writing things down um, when they happen. I mean, retrospectively writing things down is great. If you're at that point where you're, you know, you decide to apply for fellowships and you're trying to come up with these situations. Yeah. Think back, sit down, write down as much detail as you can to bring yourself back to that moment. But even better, this is something that I did as well. You know, if you're listening to this and you're, you're earlier on in pharmacy school, if you're a P1 or P2, um, even a P3, and you know that you're, there's a possibility that you may be applying to fellowship interviews, you know, in the back of your mind, as you're going through rotations or experiences at work or, you know, experiences in life, really, you know, keep in mind that you will have these interviews, you will need to have these stories prepared. So if something comes up, and you think that there's a possibility, a possibility that you might want to use that experience one day, jot it down. Because if you can do it in real time, you you're doing it with the knowledge that you're going to be looking back on that experience a year, two years later. So you want to make sure you put in enough detail to be able to bring yourself back to that experience. So I think that's really good advice. Um, and then the star questions as well. I mean, yeah, probably 95% of our interview questions were star based questions. So just make sure you're familiar with that method and make sure you're able to, you know, answer those types of questions, you know, like, like they're on the back of your hand, right? Like you don't want to have to be thinking about, okay, what is the S? What is the T? What is the A? You just want to be able to, uh, you know, answer that question naturally in that format, because that's really uh, the type of format that they're looking for. Definitely. And kind of expanding upon that, um, one thing that I found helpful is I actually had like three or four like core stories. So like stories or experiences that I could apply for like multiple questions. So I think, you know, sometimes during interviews, you'll be hit with like a question that, you know, you haven't like prepared for, or it's just like a really odd about all books oddball like question out there so what i'd recommend is have like a story that you could you know apply to multiple situations yeah so that's actually the one piece of advice that i give to basically every p4 that has reached out to me uh in the last couple months you know when they're asking about advice for interviews probably the most useful advice is exactly what you just said because when i started looking and researching you know what are common fellowship interview questions what are situational questions that we might get there's like hundreds of questions that are that are out there online. And when I started, mm -hmm. I started trying to come, come up with answers for all of them. And once I got to like 10 different stories, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to remember all of this. So I think, mm -hmm. you know, right before fellowship interview started, I had maybe five stories that were like solid stories that I was able to apply to just about every question that came my way. So, um, you know, for situational questions, that's definitely the way to go, you know, have, you know, a handful of really good stories, and you'll be able to make those stories work uh, for you just about any any question that you get. And I think like with those stories as well, like don't be afraid to repeat yourself. Like I remember I was in multiple rounds of interviews. Um, so like Pfizer example, we had three different rounds, but each round we would have different, um, you know, like 
people on the interview panel. So like I would still use the same stories every time just because new people are listening in on my story. And as I practice like my stories, I gained like more and more confidence. A hundred percent. I did the same exact thing. If I knew that it was different people interviewing me, I would a hundred percent use the same stories over and over. Uh, so yeah, definitely don't be afraid to use that. I agree. Um, and then, you know, in retrospect, now that you're on this side of the table and you, you know, you got the fellowship and you're thinking back to these interviews, was there any particular type of story or type of experience that you think worked really well in the interviews to portray why you would be an excellent fit? Um, so like, for example, when I think back to my interviews, I think some of my really effective stories actually came from my past work experiences. So I worked in community settings and inpatient pharmacies and, you know, Talking about stories where I dealt with situations in those settings as an employee rather than as a student. Um, and, you know, I think those stories are really effective and not necessarily my industry rotations or my direct industry experiences. I didn't really use a lot of examples from those. So for you, do you recall any particular stories that seem to work really well for you? Yeah, definitely. So I think like one of the situations that occurred, like when I was working in the retail practice, is that, um, you know, I had this one question that had come up, and they'd actually asked me a couple times first, like on the second round, and then another time on the final round. And it was like, tell me about a time you had a moral dilemma. And so I was kind of put on the spot. But then I remembered that during my pharmacy, you know, experiences of working as a pharmacy intern um, at a community pharmacy, we had um, here in Indiana, we could actually sell syringe needles over the counter. You don't need a prescription for it. It's just up to the pharmacist's discretion. So we had some pharmacists on my staff um, in my community pharmacy that were just uncomfortable. Um, So I mean, if you weren't able to like tell them like the dose of insulin that you take, or if they just like judged your appearance and you might look like you're a drug user, they would just say, oh, we don't have like any syringe needles for sale. For me, I mean, I felt completely differently just because my, um, you know, worldview is that I put patients first. So it's not my place as like a pharmacy student or a pharmacist to judge someone on their appearance and say, well, you're a drug dealer or you look like one. And it's also just not my place to, you know, tell people what to do with their lives. So, I mean, obviously as pharmacists, like we would love to, you know, get patients, you know, into like rehabilitation and recovery. But I think, you know, you also just as like a pharmacist or a pharmacy student, you know, you just have to put like the patient first. And so, I mean, I felt completely differently. Um, you know, like I would have just like sold the syringe needles, um, not judging. And I rather that the patient be safe and that they use clean needles versus, you know, reusing needles that they have passed around or, you know, found on the street somewhere. And so I think that when I was looking for companies, I really, you know, kind of looked at like their credo or their mission statement or their values. Do they put patients first? And I think a lot of the places that I applied to, like they said something specifically about like, we put the patients at the center of everything or like patients are our number one priority. And so I had used that, um, you know, situation I encountered when working at my retail pharmacy, um, you know, just as something that, you know, patients, they're my number one priority. And like, I'm super passionate about working with patients and helping them in any way that I can. Um, And so I think that that was probably a um, experience that I had that, you know, worked well, like they were impressed with how honest I had been. It was, you know, definitely kind of difficult to talk about. Um, But I think that overall, it really just showed that like, you know, how much I care about patients and how well it like fits with the company's values. Yeah, that's a great story. I mean, it definitely is a good way of tying in our training and our background as pharmacists to our values, because I would I would think that most people that went through pharmacy school and are in our shoes would probably feel and make the same decision that you made. And, you know, kind of the way you felt during that story. 
Um, but also just from an interview strategy perspective, that was very smart of you to use a story like that because it shows a lot of things in a pretty short story. So it shows your values. It shows how you look at patients and how you care about patients. Um, but then it also shows how you're trying to prioritize your values with the company's values. Um, and it's a good way of kind of cutting through the various companies and understanding which ones are a good fit for you as well as the company. So, I mean, kudos to you. That was a really good story to use. Thanks. Yeah. So um, I highly recommend if you had like maybe a similar experience while working in retail or, you know, just other conflicts that had come up, you know, be prepared for maybe a question like what was the time that you encountered a moral dilemma? Definitely. Um, So my next question for you is, you know, when you were about to go through the process or even thinking about going through the fellowship interview process, did you ever actually feel like you were at a serious disadvantage by not having industry experience? Because I feel like that's a that's a concern that I'm hearing a lot from pharmacy students. A hundred percent. I remember when I was filling out my applications, like actually going to like the Rutgers portal, uploading my CV, my letter of intent, or and also just talking to like fellow students that were also going through like the fellowship interview process, like my classmates. Um, you know, I felt pretty inferior. Like I had a lot of like imposter syndrome. I felt that, you know, people weren't even going to like offer me a first round interview just because I didn't have like industry experience. I just assumed that like they thought that I would know nothing about pharma. Like I wouldn't know all the different lingo or exactly like what medical affairs people did. So I definitely was hard on myself. Like once I was submitting my materials and going through the process and it really didn't become, um, you know, more, I guess like it didn't really change until I had gone through like the first few rounds of first round interviews, because I kind of gained more confidence in myself. Like I had, you know, been repeating like my stories and my experiences and I got like great feedback. Like I could see that like my interviewers, you know, like they said like, wow, that was a really great example that you gave us. Um, you know, and it just made me feel more confident. Um, and I kind of got over my fear of like these interviewers being scary. Like the people on the panel, for the most part, they were super friendly, really easy to have a conversation with with. And I just enjoyed talking with them. Um, You know, I think at heart, like I'm a sociable person. I love talking with people. And so once I kind of got over that fear, it was so much um, more helpful. Also, like I had a friend that was going through the process as well. So um, another classmate of mine, she had all this um, like industry experience. She had like two pharma internships. She like worked part time, like, you know, just kind of per diem at like a pharmaceutical consulting company. And so I felt, you know, like, oh, my gosh, like they're always going to choose people like my friend over myself. But funny enough, like in the end, she had three final round interviews, but didn't get a fellowship. But I had two final round interviews and I somehow ended up getting a fellowship. So um, she's very happy like right now where she is. She works in consulting and I'm very happy at my fellowship. But it just kind of goes to show you that, you know, even people that, you know, plan and have all these pharmaceutical like, you know, internships like under their belt, sometimes it doesn't work out for them and they don't get a fellowship. I think it really is how you set yourself like in these interviews. Um, you know, like I was very well aware of like just how to handle the interview process. Like I am very conversational and I love talking with people. And so um, I think a lot of it also comes down to fit. Like throughout the interview process, you're going to hear, you know, like if it's a, a good fit or not. So sometimes you think that like you really can connected with like the interviewers and you get a rejection email and you're kind of like, well, why did that happen? And, you know, you might just hear a response from the fellow of it came down to fit. And I think now as a fellow, like when I think about that, um, you know, I think it really kind of shows just like, what am I trying to say? I think that 
when it comes to fit, like us as a fellow and now being on the other side of the table, um, you know, we look for candidates that like we can hold a conversation with that we can see being like an active part of our team. So I've definitely learned more about that as I kind of became a fellow and I kind of have, you know, more, I guess, of a better outlook on it. But yeah, I'm trying to, sorry, think of a way to how to kind of summarize that up. Um, no, you're you're good. That's actually really helpful. And I actually have a couple thoughts on some of the things you said there. So it's interesting that, you know, you said you did feel like you were at a disadvantage. And now that, you know, we are both on this side of the table and we're both fellows and now we're reviewing applications for candidates. I think, you know, having prior experience, whether it's an industry internship or a rotation of some sort, I think really the only time that that genuinely helps is just, you know, submission of the paper material. So having it on your CV, Yes, it helps because if you, you know, you did have a medical affairs internship and you're applying for a medical affairs fellowship, you can, you can show, Hey, I do have this experience. And I think at least my perspective is not having that experience. I think I would have also felt a little bit more nervous because then you have to really try a lot harder to make your other experiences stand out on your CV. Um, but I think that's what the letter of intent is for too. Like if you have no experience and you're able to show in your letter of intent, why you want to work in that functional area and show that, yes, you did your research a lot of your experiences do apply to that functional area. I think that component of the submission package in general can be very helpful for the applicant. Um, so I just think that's a, another way to do it. And then at the same time, my it, this is funny because my perspective, once I started the interview process and you know, going into the interviews and then once I had started the initial couple rounds of interviews, I almost started to feel like having, having uh, industry experience was actually like opening me up to to failure in a way in the sense that you know I had multiple industry and pharma experiences so I was starting to get nervous about what if they start asking me like in detail what did you do at each of these uh you know places and obviously I was prepared to talk about what I did but you know having a having a couple week internship or a couple week appy rotation in a functional area you're not going to become an expert on it so you know I ended up going into patient safety or pharmacovigilance and my one appy rotation uh, was in pharmacovigilance and I, it was a double block appy. So I think I had about 10 or 12 weeks there. So I had a pretty good idea about the functional area, but I was starting to get nervous about, you know, once I put these things on my CV and I say, hey, I did this in pharmacovigilance, I did that in pharmacovigilance, I felt like I was almost opening myself up to kind of getting grilled on that functional area, which could almost be a downfall. And I remember thinking, you know, if I didn't have experience, I wouldn't be grilled. And all I would have to do is show that I researched the functional area. So I, I don't know, I feel like no matter which situation you're in, you're going to be stressed out one way or another. That is so true. And I think just like the nature of applying, you know, we always doubt ourselves. Um, you know, I definitely remember, like, I had just a lot of anxieties, like throughout the process, and even talking with candidates now, sometimes I get like secondhand anxiety, because I go back to like where I was when I was in their shoes. So um, I think like, just my best advice for candidates is, you know, just try and get, you know, just get through the process, like be confident in who you are, your experiences, be honest with yourself, like what you want to do. Um, and of course it helps to have like a support person there. So like I had my friend that was going through the same process and, you know, we had like a first round interview, like we would call him, like call each other immediately afterwards and be like, oh my gosh, I had this question. It was super hard. Like, this is what I said, like, how could I have improved that? And then like, if I had encountered like a question that was similar to that, you know, I was able to kind of have like a response prepared almost. So definitely recommend like just having someone that you can go through the process with. Like if you can, that's super helpful. Yeah, 100%. Good. 
This episode is brought to you by Rev Health LLC, which is an independently owned, full-service healthcare communications agency that specializes in marketing healthcare products with a special focus on pharmaceuticals. Check out more information for this fellowship in the description. Use the online IPHO Fellow Match service to apply. Applications close January 31st, 2022. Okay, so shifting gears a little to just simply researching and learning about industry, this is kind of questions that I'm curious to ask you myself. Um, so like without any experience, how did you how did you even figure out how to navigate the whole process? Yeah, so I think one thing that was super helpful to me is just being involved in like my school's IPHO chapter. I think, you know, the one nice thing about like Purdue University, even though we're located in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, like in the Midwest, um, we had some pretty strong like alumni who had gone on to become fellows. And so they would give back to like our College of Pharmacy, um, come and give just kind of, you know, like these lectures during our IPHO meetings. But I think what also was really helpful for me too is just like reaching out to people on LinkedIn. So like I would connect with those alumni after they came to like my school to talk about their current fellowship and maybe schedule like a one-on-one meeting with them. Like, okay, you know, tell me more about like regulatory affairs. I know nothing about it. You know, what are your day-to-day responsibilities? And then, you know, if we had someone come in like that does medical affairs, I would reach out to them. Hey, like what's medical affairs? Like, you know, can you give me any advice? And so, you know, kind of in like the whole year that I was a P3 involved in IPHO, I kind of had like this, this ongoing document of just, you know, keeping all this information that I had learned with talking to these different people. So I would say utilize your network, um, you know, even if you've never like talked to them before, if they're, you know, someone that's maybe like even five years older than you, I think us in the industry, we're all like super friendly and we're all like just willing to give back to like our alumni. So I would hop on LinkedIn, see if you have anyone that currently works within the industry, either as a fellow or, you know, they could be a senior manager or anything like that. They're more than happy to meet with students and just kind of talk about like, what they want to do just over like a half hour meeting. And then I think also like when I when I was going through the interview process, something that I wish I did that I didn't is I was too intimidated to reach out to like the current fellows. So like people that I didn't know through my school. Um, but now being a fellow myself, like I really, you know, have to congratulate like the candidates that have just like, you know, reached out to me on LinkedIn, um, you know, if they saw that I was speaking at like an IPHO annual meeting or, you know, a friend of a friend, you know, that's how they heard of me. Like, I think that's amazing. Or, you know, if they were even just like looking at the brochure and um, after looking at the brochure, they wanted to learn more about my position, they reached out to me on LinkedIn. I think don't be afraid like to put yourself out there and really, you know, just connect with fellows like us fellows fellows like we want to help you know the p4s we were in your shoes like a year ago like we understand what you're going through so like i wish that i had been i guess like a little more brave and reaching out to like the fellows that were at the positions that like i was applying for instead of just kind of going in blindly um for like the first round interviews so that would be my advice now like kind of looking back on it but in summary i would utilize your network a hundred percent. One of my previous episodes, actually, we talked so much about utilizing LinkedIn um, and exactly what you said, you know, reach out to people, even people that you ha- have never spoken to. Uh, most people on LinkedIn, you've never met in your life, right? But just look at companies that you're interested in, find people at those companies that have positions that you're interested in and just you know, you can direct message anyone on LinkedIn. There's a way to, there's a way to do it. And sometimes even if they're private, there's still a way to do it. So you can figure out how to do that and just send an invite with a short little message introducing yourself and saying, Hey, these are my career goals. And I was wondering if you could take like 10 minutes just to have a conversation. And I found that, you know, a lot of people don't respond, but a lot of people actually do. And I was able to get a lot of really useful information that way. 
Um, so 100%. And you actually already answered my next question was whether you made contacts in industry leading up to the interview process. So you, you know, you said you used uh, LinkedIn, you used school alumni, you used, uh, you know, you said you and your friend uh, practiced interviewing together. So I did the same exact thing with some of my friends as well. Um, and then on my actual industry rotations, I they were nice enough to give me a lot of like mock interviews as well. Um, but you don't need an industry rotation for that. Like you, exactly what you did, you used your friends, you can use faculty at your university. Um, so it's really just about utilizing your network, just like you said. And with that network too, I think it's so important to have like another set of eyes or multiple sets of eyes like on your CV or letter of intent. Like looking back, um, I remember I had a candidate that was asking me like, hey, like, do you mind sending me like your letter of intent? Like just so I have something to go off of. And I pulled up my letter of intent for like nostalgia's mistake, like at least like my first draft. Um, it was like the only one that I had saved for some reason. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so bad. And I remember like all of the feedback that I had gotten, like once I had, you know, different alumni, um, like current fellow look over it. So I would highly recommend, you know, once you kind of meet with these people and build a relationship with them, um, you know, even ask like your, your preceptor at a rotation, even if it's like at a hospital setting or a community setting, you know, or again, like faculty at your school, if you have someone at your college of pharmacy that is specifically for like professional development, just curating like your CV, letter of intent, making sure that it's as good as it can be. Um, I think with the letter of intent, it's so important to showcase yourself. Like, I'm actually been looking at applications um, like this past week. And really, I think like what stands out to me when I'm picking, okay, who do I want to offer a first round interview to is who's personal with me, like in their letter of intent, like why medical affairs, you know, telling me more about themselves and like more, you know, like about their experiences versus just something generic, like, oh, I want to do medical affairs, like to help people. I want to be an industry to like make a global impact. And oh, the Rutgers, you know, program is super successful. Like, you know, I think it's so much better and you stand out so much more if you tell me like I've had these experiences like working in retail or I was involved in this committee that helped put on this career fair you know it really helps yourself stand out definitely I I think it's so obvious on our end now when you read like a letter of intent and it's just very generic and you could tell they just you know used it for multiple programs um so yeah I agree I think what I usually tell candidates is you know in your letter of intent um, exactly like you said, explain your experiences. You don't want to like remake your CV and your letter of intent because we have your CV, but just explain how your experiences are applicable to the whatever position you're applying for. Um, and you really want to make clear, you know, what are what are your skill sets, why that specific functional area, and why our company. And it really, if you can nail that in your letter, that's really going to help you stand out a lot. Um, and yep. And then, so my next question is. How did you research choosing a functional area, having never experienced any of them directly? Because I I could see that being challenging because there's so many different functional areas. Um, And for me, it wasn't until I had my industry experiences that I was able to really hone in on the ones that I really thought I would like. So I'm just curious how you went through that process. Of course. Yeah, this was definitely something that was super challenging, especially for me personally. Like, I feel like I'm interested in everything. Um, You know, I was like, oh, regulatory sounds interesting, like working with the FDA. And then it'd be like, oh, my gosh, patient safety. Like, I'm so passionate about, like, working with patients. So or medical affairs. Like, I love, you know, creating medical content um, and using kind of like my pharmacy degree to do these different things. So I think it was challenging for me, like my P3 and early P4 year even. Um, You know, I really kind of had to sit down 
and, you know, do more independent research, like reach out to like my alumni, um, people who had come to IPHO, my school's chapter to just like speak about their roles. I looked back at the notes like I had taken like throughout my different one-on-ones with different people. Um, So I think that that really kind of helped me narrow it down to what I wanted with medical affairs. Um, Also just my experience being on the VIP competition um, for my Purdue University IPHO chapter. I was on the medical affairs committee. And so it kind of gave me, you know, some experience in like a mock way um, of like preparing for this case presentation of what kind of functions that a medical affairs like person would have. So I think that's kind of how I was able to narrow it down. My best advice is, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, You know, go on to LinkedIn, reach out to people, reach out to alumni, watch YouTube videos, read, you know, articles that you find on Google. I remember, um, you know, just Googling like roles and responsibilities of medical affairs just to try and get like all those different perspectives. And I think, you know, listening to something like this podcast is helpful as well. You know, you're just kind of gaining information as you go through like this process of really like what makes these different functional areas stand out and what your interests are. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And honestly, just listening to that, it all really comes down to utilizing your network, right? That's exactly what you did. Um, You reached out to all these different people, you took notes on what they said. And just I think, you know, you mentioned this podcast as well. I think that's a good point. It's just hearing as many different perspectives as you can. And I think that is something that I tried really hard to do in pharmacy school. And I think it, it sounds like you did exactly the same thing. And that's why you were successful because you were able to hone in on what you wanted, even though you didn't have that direct experience, you were able to learn from everyone else's experiences around you. Yes, definitely. This episode is brought to you by Barringer Ingelheim. As the largest privately held pharmaceutical company, Barringer Ingelheim is focused on science that leads to healthier lives for their patients and families. Check out the various functional areas for fellowships in the brochure located in the description. So during any of your interviews, did the topic of you not having industry experience ever actually come up? Because I feel like that's something students may be concerned about. From my perspective as an interviewer, I don't think it's necessarily something I would bring up. I would see their CV and, and you know, if they don't have that experience, they just don't have that experience. It is what it is. But, you know, if that did come up, how did you handle that? Yeah, so this had only come up one time, and I believe it was during a second round interview. And funny enough, like I was able to get um, like a final round interview with them as well. And it was actually when I was talking about like my experiences working in retail pharmacy, like they could tell I was obviously passionate about like working with patients, um, like working in the retail setting. Like my favorite thing to do was to give vaccinations, just because like I could sit down, kind of away from the chaos and the phones ringing and people picking up their prescriptions, just to have like a one-on-one conversation with the patient. Um, Um, you know, kind of make them feel like less afraid, you know, I guess as I'm giving them a vaccine. And so I was kind of explaining that um, to my interviewers and they'd ask me like, do you think you would be happy working in the industry setting? Like when you're so passionate about like direct patient care and, you know, it kind of stumped me for a moment. I wasn't expecting that. Um, But how I had answered is that, you know, that I was passionate about patient care and like, yes, I love working with people. So, you know, I think working in industry, you have the impact to affect, you know, not just patients like at your community pharmacy or like within your community you actually have the impact to affect patients globally um you know like this product that i've been working on development right now um that i've been working on since like the beginning of my fellowship like you know we plan to launch 
launch it globally. So it's going to impact millions, hopefully. Um, you know, but I had told them that like I would be happy working in industry, um, you know, as long as I had a good team. And I think that that's something that you will probably like encounter throughout your interviews is that, you know, you want to know like, is this people that, you know, the people that I'm interviewing with, like, can I see myself working with them? Um, you know, I had told them that like I thrive in building relationships. And so like, again, like as long as I had a good relationship with my team, like I would be happy, like I would be fulfilled. Um, you know, just because working in pharma, being able to impact patients on the wider scale versus like the community setting was important to me. Yeah, it's interesting that they did kind of ask that question. Um, but, you know, I think they did ask it in a pretty good way because I could tell, you know, just from the way you talk about your stories, you do seem very passionate about patient care. So it is actually a kind of a good question because I think they were probably trying to see if you realize that in this type of setting, not having experience, did you actually realize what you were getting into and not having that direct patient care. But um, I think you handled that question very well. Yeah, I think that, you know, I was definitely surprised, like, you know, when they had asked it to me when I was going through the application process, like I kind of got scared for a moment, like, oh, my gosh, they're going to reject me. You know, they're going to think that I'm only suited for like retail pharmacy because, you know, I had nothing but like good experiences to say about retail pharmacy. But again, like I think I handled it really well, just saying that, you know, I'm just like a people person, like when it comes down to it, like I love building those connections. And so um, that's the only time it had come up. No one else like asked me, you know, if about not having industry experience. Um, They just had asked me about like different star questions. Gotcha. So I guess to conclude here, you know, we've talked about a lot of really helpful tips. Um, How would you summarize your advice and your story really for, for the students that are pursuing fellowships that, you know, they may still be worried about not having that direct experience? Yeah, definitely. So I think the most important thing is like, know your story. Why do you want to do like this functional area, like medical affairs? What experiences do you have that, you know, maybe people that work in medical affairs have day to day? Like, for example, I create medical content quite frequently in my day to day role. And so I thought back about things that I had create um, throughout my time in pharmacy school. So like working as a TA, I created like my own, you know, lecture materials. Um, And then being in like the career development committee, I had to like create questions like for the panel, create like PowerPoints for um, our informational panel for people to use. And so that was something that I had liked. Um, Also working medical affairs, I definitely use my pharmacy knowledge. Um, So being able to do like literature searches um, or just learning more about like different drugs. Um, That was something that I had liked on my toxicology rotation where I actually just had to, you know, just kind of teach myself and go into the literature, find out more information. I'm like a naturally curious person. So I think, you know, just identifying like your strengths and your weaknesses to see maybe like what field you are interested in and like what, you know, fit that, you know, if I guess what like positive experiences, like I'm trying to think of it. Um, So just like identify what, you know, functional area you're interested in and what strengths you can bring to it. Um, You know, and just leverage your experiences. So talk about your involvement in organizations and use those experiences from rotations or, you know, work examples for different issues that could occur in like in the workplace, such as like conflict or project management, typical interview questions that might come up. Um, So just be prepared, Um, you know, come up with, you know, look on Google or ask um, fellows of like common interview questions and some examples in advance and practice interviewing. 
Um, so again, like I had a friend that we would practice interviewing with, like even as we were going into like the final round, like we were still practicing interviewing. Like I knew my stories like front and back, um, like no hesitation. But at the same time, as you are practicing interviewing, make sure like you still are as passionate saying it like the 50th time as you were like the second time. Um, you don't want to sound robotic. And then lastly, again, so much of this comes down to networking. So, you know, just put yourself out there. I know it can be so intimidating reaching out to a fellow. And the worst thing that can happen is that they say no or that they don't respond. Um, you know, I think that we are kind of at an advantage, you know, at this point in time, like reaching out on LinkedIn, it's done virtually. You know, it's not like done face to face. So, I mean, you can just type in this message on the LinkedIn chat box. And if they answer, great. And if not, well, there's tons of other fellows out there that you can reach out to. Thank you so much for that summary. And, you know, really, as I as I think about it more and more, it it really seems like the strategy doesn't change much, whether you did or did not have direct industry experience. Everything that you've talked about is, you know, things that have crossed my mind when I was going through the process. And every all of the preparation that you're talking about, all of the networking is, you know, we all do it, you know, it doesn't really matter if you have that experience or not, it's still something that you have to think about and worry about and you know, prepare for. And and like you said, I think something really important that you that you touched on is make sure you're as passionate the 50th time that you tell your story as you were the first time. And that's really important because honestly, through the interview process, depending on how many companies you apply for and how many rounds of interviews you have, you honestly might end up telling your story 50 different times. So you want to make sure that your passion comes through every single time. A hundred percent. Great. So Liz, thank you so much for being on the episode today. I, I really think this is going to be a very popular episode. This is seriously probably the question I get asked the most. Um, so again, thank you so much. And I hope I hope the listeners found this helpful. Yeah, thank you for having me here. It's been a joy talking with you. Awesome. Thank you. And I will see you all on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Bye.